Welcome to the Radically Christian Crosstalk Podcast, Season 2, Episode 16. I'm your host, Wes McAdams. On today's show, my co-hosts, Sam Dominguez, James Sumners, and I discuss why Christians need to have a song in their heart. The Crosstalk Podcast is not a sermon, a Bible class, or even a formal Bible study. It's simply a spiritual conversation among friends that we hope will inspire you to have similar conversations with people in your life. And now, let's jump right into that conversation. The sad thing about music, and you know how I love music. I love to sing. I, I, I love music. The thing that is so, the problem with music in some ways, like many things, is when we get accustomed to it, we just flow through it. It's like it's like a river, and you it, it's already cut a path, and we just go down that path, and we don't touch the edges. We don't try to figure out anything. We just go. It just flows, um, and sometimes that's what happens with songs. We don't. We don't stop and read the, the words, we sing the song. So many times we don't really understand and comprehend what we're singing with the depth of our heart and soul. And that's why we don't sing with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength. It's because we're not really comprehending what we're saying. We're just flowing through the, the song. Well, that, that's why in our overflow class we, we talked about singing and prayer together because they're both what... what uh, um, Jimmy Jiven refers to as the, the words of worship. And when we, when we manipulate the words of a song to better fit the music we've applied to it, that, that's when we're failing. That's when we're failing ourselves. And that's not to say that we can't, we can't have the music of a song work well in conjunction with uh, the words that we're having. But most of the time, if you look at how we pronounce the words in the song the way we move like like you were saying the way we flow through the sentence structures of the song it's always in service of the music that we have or that has been chosen to apply to, to those words and so you end up with sentence structures that contain very particular meaning and and we completely miss it why because we in, in our ignorance are working in service of the music that has mm-hmm. been applied to it. And so we can we can say to ourselves, do I know this song? Well, yes, I can sing this song, but could I read it? Because if I read it with the same uh, vocal inflection of punctuation that happens while I'm singing, it, it would be all wrong and nobody would understand it. It wouldn't make a lick of sense. And so if we have to go into a song and say, well, if I just read this to you in order to communicate the meaning of the words, I would structure it all completely different, but then when I sing it, I do it this whole other way, then we probably should give serious consideration that the music is detracting mm-hmm. from whatever it is that we're doing. And it is one of those ways that, that we could potentially be doing ourselves more harm than good, potentially putting roadblocks in our in our worship by by having this four-part harmony that has, has been so readily adopted rather than something that, that we can put the emphasis on the words mm-hmm. something more like chanting or something like that is that you know just just something and something I, I don't know it's, it's not as complex just just something where where the emphasis doesn't get put mm-hmm. on the musicality of it mm-hmm. you know and, and and once again it's not that that having the musicality of singing is incorrect of course that's that's not incorrect it's part of what singing is but we we so often can complicate it enough, just enough, because four-part harmony is not really all that complicated, but it can put just enough complexity on it that when we look at it, we say, well, you know what, if we, if we stretch this word 
into a couple of more syllables, man, it makes that note flow. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you're not thinking back to yourself. But is anyone going to understand the word then if we pronounce it that mm-hmm. way? Well, but 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 the music, you know, and, and we're driving everything toward the music, and and we do that a lot in in worship, and we do that a lot in our in our religious lives, where we end up doing things at the service of something that really should be a secondary part of it. Well, isn't it that we we start to serve the expedient rather than the expedient serving the command? That well, sure. I mean, you could say it just that easily, and and then forget everything <laughs> I just said. But you know. <laughs> well, what I mean is, you know, we. We, we do things like use a PowerPoint as a part of our sermons or use a PowerPoint for a Bible class. Well, that's a good tool to help people to see a visual representation or see the words of the Scripture if they don't have their copy of the Bible or they're holding their kid or whatever. But then it we start to serve the PowerPoint rather than serving the lesson. And so then we say, well, how can we jazz up our PowerPoint? How can we make our PowerPoint even better? And we start to focus on the expedient rather than the expedient simply being a tool that's necessary, that, that's some sort of a necessary tool, again, I guess that's the best word, to help facilitate um, whatever we're commanded to do. And and so, yes, there, there has to be some sort of music making. You know, there has to be some sort of singing, um, we, whether it's four-part harmony or two-part or, you know, we're, we're just Gregorian chanting or whatever, that those are all expedient ways of doing it, but we have to we have to decide, we have to focus on using the tool that's best for, and, and sometimes it may be different. I mean, one one set of of poetry, one one poem, and that that's what the lyrics to the song are, you know, or one poetic prayer maybe is how we might put it sometimes, um, might be served best by four-part harmony, and another one might be served best by 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 almost a chance type of a of a musicality. Well, I I think uh, this kind of makes me think about a lot of things we do in the church in terms of uh, education and uh, hiring ministers and different things like that, where we end up giving a whole lot of credence to accreditation. You mm-hmm. know, it's like well he's got this degree or it's this or it's that, and it's like well this song was written by so and and well it's got this type of music that that's what makes it officially singing is when it's got this. Uh, type of music that, mm-hmm. that makes it real it's not something like that and it, it reminded me of, of my daughter just a few minutes ago we were riding in the car and she just says daddy listen I sing and she just starts making noise mm-hmm. but it's different than than speaking it's it was just different mm-hmm. and it didn't fit any category of music you could potentially uh, try and, and stick it into but it was singing there's no denial that it was singing. And I think a lot of times we get stuck into, well, the Bible says we should sing, so then we look to the world. Well, what is an officially accredited version of singing? Mm-hmm. Well, oh, it's this? Okay, well, that's how we're going to do it. Uh, I, I honestly think that's that's part of the influence of, of how instruments got brought into uh, the worship place mm-hmm. because we, we, we look to the world to say, well, what is official singing? What actually makes this song? As opposed to being able to say, you know what? If we wanted to sing this, we could just do it in such a way that it was not the spoken word, that it could carry some greater inflection of our heart or something along those lines. And it doesn't have to fit with anything else, and it would be acceptable for worship. Mm-hmm. Well, think about the, the the Latin word acapella. I mean, that's what the word means is in the style of the chapel or in the style of the church. And so 
for a while, for a long time, you know, they were able to maintain this separate style of making music within worship versus the way people made music in the world, you know, and 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 even to de- to the to today, we still refer to singing without the accompaniment of instruments as that's the way the church sings, and it it should be, but but it's it uh, you know, but but it's interesting that that word still carries that uh, that original meaning. You know, last night, um, you know how, or the night before, um, we record um, a song for our memory verse, and we share that with everybody to the best of our ability whenever we can. Um, we, we do that just as a way to help us, and it's a way to have to make it fun, a way to uh, also just basically have something to sing sometimes. We play that while we're traveling sometimes, and we sing, and, and there's many memory verses that our children will just randomly start singing now because uh, because we've been doing that. But the other night we were recording it, and uh, one of my children just got really excited and started wanting to to beat to the rhythm and do all this stuff. And I and and I said, no, we're we're not going to do that. And and we just said, you know, the the instrument that God gave us is our heart, and the way we express our heart is through our lips. We we express our praise for God through our lips, and it is our heart that that God's word is playing through us, that we are we are his instrument that he has made uh, for the glory of himself. And so when we when we sing, we are plucking our heartstrings for God and and uh, and expressing that to them. And, and, and it's it's hard when you know, I love I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I love music. And and if if God had asked me at the beginning of time and said, hey, James, how would you like to to worship me? I wouldn't have chosen just words and um, the the expression verbally because I in, if I could choose what I enjoy, I would choose uh, more than that because because I enjoy I enjoy making music with my hands. I enjoy singing. I enjoy uh, rhythms and 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 I find that fun. But that's not what he asks of us, and that's not what I don't just do what what I want to for God. I do what God requires of me because I love him and I do it the way that he wants me to because I love him, not because I want to do it. Yeah. Um, do you remember when we uh, did the class on the overflow, I asked you to teach a couple of classes on spontaneous praise. And th- that statement reminds me of the discussions that we had about just spontaneous praise, about just breaking into song about something that you need to praise God about right then. And, and it occurs to me that if, if what God asked us to do was to praise him with all of these forms and structures and, and artificial implements and different stuff like that, it would basically make it impossible to just spontaneously praise him un- unless you're a one-man band walking around with, with cymbals tied between your kneecaps or something like that, you know. <laughs> but what he did is he empowered us to be able to break into praise at any time for any reason that we have. Anything that happens that you feel the need, you feel the desire to bring praises to your God, you can open your mouth and sing praises to your God. And it doesn't have to be a song that somebody wrote that got uh, a copyright stamp put on it and it's printed in this book or this or that or the other thing. I think we've just completely lost track of the idea of singing was a method for which God wanted us to praise and communicate 
with him, with our words. Mm -hmm. Just like we don't get up and recite the same prayers or some pre-printed prayer or something along those lines, and we understand prayer to be something that is personal. It is me expressing the words that I need to express to my Heavenly Father, and yet we are perfectly comfortable with our singing being something that I have absolutely nothing to do with. It's whatever hymn book they pick over here, and maybe it'll even be like, well, you know, uh, I, I would like to go to this congregation, but I don't like that hymn book that they use. I like the one that we do over here. And, well, oh, that's not how we sing that song, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And we've, we've made it this part and parcel, bundled up, packaged, stick it on the shelf type of a thing, and there's nothing personal about it anymore. There's nothing about it that says, this is me expressing my praise to God because I don't know the words, I don't understand what they mean, I haven't sat down and tried to comprehend it, and sometimes the music we slap together with it makes me even harder to understand the words that I'm saying. And, and we've, we've, it just seems like we've gotten a hop, skip, and a jump farther away from what God really intended singing to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this weekend... Um, my daughter was eating my youngest daughter was eating bananas and so she she got really happy and so i i wrote, i made a little song to express how she enjoyed um eating bananas which is uh from then on gotten stuck in everybody's head in my family so i won't share it with you so it doesn't uh <laughs> thank you uh continue on but you know you sometimes you make like songs. a virus on the yeah. podcast yeah. you? I, I have a um I have a cousin who did that to me as well when I was in in college, and he created a simple song that could just become another song and another song and another song. And this is very similar. And and I started saying later in the day when it's you know my wife comes up to me and says, "I'm mad at you because you made a song that is stuck in my head and I can't get it out." But then I I, I made a new song that's that changed it to, "Well, my wife makes me happy," and um and. And then my daughter makes me happy, and my son makes me happy, and we do all sorts of things like that. Um, I sing to my my children, uh, Micah, your daddy loves you. Micah, your daddy loves you. Micah, your daddy loves you. He loves to hold you. Um, your mommy loves to to hold you. Your your mommy loves to sing to you. Your sister loves to play with you. Your your other sister loves to pray with you. And most of all, your God loves you, and He expects great things of you, and and thinks very highly of you. And we can make simple songs with simple phrases and express it and so our children my children know these songs from the day they were born until now and so they can sing them back to me and sometimes they they remember those things and that's how we that's how we should live right i mean i mean even if it's just a simple thing it doesn't it's something that we can create it doesn't get away from the microphone sorry about that audience um but from time to time we can just come up with something on our own like Sam's saying we need to make it personal my relationship with God okay we've talked about how you know it's not just personal but I do need to make sure that I understand that I love my God and people need to know that I need to be able to express myself and I don't just if I don't just sit down and maybe prepare myself to think in such a way that I can really express myself to God how are people going to know? How do my children know? Sometimes it's str- it's a struggle for me when I'm trying to teach my children about worship. I'm trying to teach them about worship instead of just saying, "Do you do you see how much your daddy loves God? Do you understand how much I love God? How can I express to you that I love God?" Um, and and it, you can't just tell your children, "Well, this is what I this, I love God," and and they're going to comprehend that, but. Um, but we, we need to prepare ourselves so that we can express, whether through music, through prayer, 
um, through teaching other people, we have to prepare ourselves in all of these things always to be ready to praise and glorify God so that people understand why and why we're doing what we're doing. Sorry if I went a little crazy there. <laughs> I do that sometimes. I still remember the first of, of your memory verse songs that uh, you recorded and posted. And it's, and Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And the thing that I appreciated so much about that was the fact that your purpose was to teach the memory verse, which, mm-hmm. which was what that verse was. And so making it a song couldn't in any way, shape, or form detract from the fact that we wanted the kids to remember the words. Right. And so the song also incorporated where it was found. And so you were able, quite simply, and you, you've explained it to me before, that it's just, well, you just follow the natural cadence of the words and you make it musical. And I look at that and I say, well, man, why, why can't we do that with more things? Because those are examples of wonderful songs, beautiful songs that I then take and I sing in praise to my God and they they fit perfectly why because they are songs they are musical they allow me to express my heart while at the same time they express the meaning they carry the words we don't look at it and say well i need this to sound a particular way to be a beautiful song and so i need to manipulate the words it's no i need to communicate these words what is the music that's already there? How, how, what is the cadence of, the, of this language that I can carry across? And you, you do that so effectively. And it just, it just reminds me every time I think about that song and when I, when I listen to the other songs that you've recorded, how really simple it should be mm-hmm. to train ourselves to be able to praise God all the time for anything that ever happens to us. And it, it's really, it's a negative influence of the world that has caused us to become these recalcitrant people who well, well, I can't do that, and I'm not musically inclined, and I'm not this, and I'm not that. Instead of just saying, words have a natural cadence, I can make that praise to God. I can take anything God has done for me, I can take everything God has said to me, and I can take things that I need to communicate to others, and I can make that praise for my God, because he designed me to be able to do so. And instead, we've, we've made it so complex, we've made it so difficult, that we've allowed the world not only to inform what our praise should be in a negative way, we've also allowed them to inform us that, and you can't do it on your own, leave it to the professionals. Mm-hmm. And I think that... that like you said, you, you, that class that you guys keep referencing was called, was I guess, overflow, right? I mean, so the idea was that everything that we do, our obedience to God, should be from the overflow of our heart. It's that God has filled us up with who he is and what he's done for us, and, and our obedience naturally flows from that. And that's what singing should be. I, I hate the idea that... <laughs> it sounds so wrong to say it. I don't even know how to say it best. But uh, I hate the idea that we sing because God wants us to. And that's mm. true. We do sing because God wants us to, but we sing because we don't have a choice. When we when we think about what God has done for us, it, it has to burst forth. If it's not bursting forth, if it's not overflowing, then we don't understand it yet. I mean, if, if we can 
if we can sit there like a bump on a log and not praise God, and, and perhaps somebody says, well, I don't have the words yet. That's okay. You know, I mean, we, we help each other with the words, and we use Scripture for the words. And, but but it, if, if we don't have a song in our heart, and, and, and that's such a beautiful cliche, a song in my heart, but, but that's, that's what every Christian should have. We should have a song in our heart, and as we come together and assemble for worship, and as we go about our day individually, we, we should be singing that song, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to have different verses. Sometimes that song ha- is saying peace perfect peace in this dark world of sin, and the blood of Jesus whispers peace within. I mean, so sometimes my song is saying, how, how, can, how can this be a good God? How can, this, how can this work out for God's good? How can this be glorifying to God? This hurts so bad. This is so painful. I, I hate this situation. And, and then a reminder of who God is, like all of the Psalms. I mean, that's pretty much the entire book of Psalms is, how long will you allow me to suffer? And then an ending on a note of God is good, and I trust him, and I will wait upon the Lord. And and if we are God's people, then we will have a song in our heart. And 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 so many of us, I don't think, even think about it that way. We just think that, well, I'm checking something off of a list, you know. And that's always one of my big pet peeves, is because that's how I, that's how I grew up thinking about Christianity. That's how I, not because I was taught that, just because I think that is the the natural way of thinking about religion. Is that religion is checking things off of a list, and if you check off all the right things, then God rewards you by paying you what you deserve. And and that's not Christianity. That's paganism. That's not Christianity. Christianity is that God has died for sinners. God has died for us to make us His people, and has put in our heart a new song. And 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 that song is one that we we must express. And if it's not coming out of us. Then, then perhaps we need to spend more time being filled up and letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. It, it strikes me, it, every time I gather with the body and I worship, it strikes me how absurd it is that we can convince ourselves God will be pleased with us when we have no spirit in what we're doing. When, when we... When, I may be worshiping in truth, but I am not worshiping in spirit. We act as though God is so dumb that he will be satisfied with the form whether I have any proper motivation behind it at all. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, on Wednesday night we had such a great class about uh, how we can be pleasing to God. It is impossible to be pleasing to God without faith, without faithfulness, which is the same word as, as you've taught so many times so well. And we we still, though, in, in, in so many ways, we understand that. And yet, week in, week out, day in, day out, so many of us have convinced ourselves that I don't have to care about singing. I can just go through the motions. It's just a little artifice that we do that and it'll make God happy no matter what. So long as it sounds good, it'll make God happy. And hey, I'm actually helping by mar- not by not participating because I sound bad or I'm going to be off key or I'm this or I'm that. And when you actually go into the word and you want to understand why God wants us to praise and how he wants us to praise him, we recognize that there's nothing top to bottom in the scripture. There is absolutely nothing about how it sounds. It is what you are doing and why you are doing it. And yet we've convinced ourselves that we can just pull that one over on God and it's all okay. 
You, you know, they think about children when they sing, and I think you've talked about this before, but maybe I didn't comprehend it, but uh, just because I'm slow. Um, when children sing, they don't necessarily sing that great. I mean, generally, they, they're off key constantly. They don't really know where they're going. Sometimes, I mean, if they're trained or if they've just listened to enough music or they've listened to the same song over and over and over and over again that it's ingrained in their brain, they can do that. But many times they're off all the time. And what do people think? Oh, that's horrible. Don't do that. Oh, that's horrible. Please don't stop that child from singing. Is that what what we say? No, we're like, oh, that's so beautiful. You imagine, isn't that what God says? God doesn't care. When a child expresses themselves in a way that is positive and uplifting or even in the sense of like, God, I'm sad. I'm scared. I don't know what I'm doing. We don't, we don't do that to our children and say, well, stop that. And God doesn't do that to us either. He wants to us to express our heart to him. He wants us to play our heartstrings. That's what that's all about. When, when we're, we're singing with our heart, all of that, Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Make a melody in your heart. It's it's the idea of playing the the into a sense in a sense the emotions of your heart. I mean, we we want part of it is we want to remove this emotional part of our of ourselves away from our spirituality, but our physical body, our spiritual nature. And our emotions are all tied together in who we are. And we cannot separate. I mean, if if we were to separate our emotions from ourselves, then why would God say, love the Lord your God with all your mind and soul? Yeah, that's what he says, right? <laughs> mind and soul. No, he says all of your heart, mind, soul, and depending on where you're looking at strength. I mean, that's all bound together. We cannot separate our different parts of what make up who we are uh, to to express ourselves to God, I can't just in, express my intellect to God and that be pleasing to Him. I can't just express um, something with my physical body and strength or whatever. I have to express also my emotion and my heart. I can't just devote my physical body to God. I have to devote my my emotions to God. I have to devote my soul to God so that all of it together is pure before God and holy to God. My emotions are how I. I mean, my singing is how I express my emotions and how I love God. And you were talking about earlier that you can't, like, we don't sing because we have to. We sing because we love God. Um, I don't buy flowers for my wife because I have to, because if I had to, then it wouldn't mean anything. It would just be an expectation. Um, but I, I do stuff for my wife because I love her. I The same thing with God. I don't just sing because I have to. What value would God find in that? If it's something that we have to do with, with without it being something that we're dedicated to, showing him our love and devotion to him, um, it has no value. And, and don't y'all think that, you know, carrying your analogy about the children, that I think so— this is going to sound very judgmental, but, but we've all been there, so it, it, it's judgmental towards myself. But, but I think that— that we are more tempted to focus on the expedient side of the musicality, whether that be the notes of our singing or bringing in some t- sort of a mechanical 
sound machine, you know, because that's what it is. I mean, it, it's making sound. It's not, I mean, a, a, a C note has no meaning. I mean, it doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean anything to God. I mean, but but it can be fun. And and even in a sense, it can be expressive to express our ourself in sounds. But it's also... And again, I know that this word sounds judgmental, but it's also very shallow. It's it's meaningless mm-hmm. uh, to to express sound. I mean, I could be happy and just beat on the table, but but that's not. I'm not communicating anything. That doesn't have any meaning. But if I say, guys, listen, I, I've got to share with you why I'm so happy. I'm happy because this happened today, or whatever. Then then I have taken the time to contemplate why I'm happy. I've, I've allowed that to be formed into a concrete idea, and I'm communicating that idea to others in, in why I'm joyful or, on the other, on the other side, why I'm, I'm in mourning or why I'm in pain. And, and so I, I think sometimes our hymnology, if that's a word, our, our hymns, um, reflect the fact that, that we're more interested in just making pretty noises and sometimes we put a little words that go with it god is so good you know i mean and and we just sing that over and over and over again i hate to pick on that song necessarily but but we just sing the same idea just because we want to make some noise you know we we we're happy and maybe it is god that made us happy but we really haven't spent time really reflecting on the depths of the theology but i mean i'll tell you when i read through a book of the new testament or book any book in the bible i mean i i just I'm so filled up with who God is. I, I I need a song to sing. I need a song that will express what it is that I've discovered about God. What had, has God shown me about himself? And and so when you look at some of the songs, both in the past and in the present, um, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure. I mean, those are words of somebody who has really contemplated the depths and the riches of the graces of God. And when you think about Isaac Watts and some of the songs he wrote, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my riches gain, I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. I mean, this is somebody who has thought deeply about theological truths. And, and sometimes we're very much like infants when we approach our singing, when we ought to approach it more maturely in that we've we've contemplated the depths of who God is and what God has done for us, because that's what worship is. Worship is an expression of who God is and what God has done for us, and, and then it's true worship. Well, I mean, is, isn't that really the, the problem? When we try and explain to people, no, your singing has to come from the heart, you're supposed to have a song in your heart. You're not supposed to be singing because you have to, but because you can't keep it in. Usually, if someone is being honest with you, they're going to then respond and say, but I don't have that. Mm-hmm. What do you tell the Christian who has no song in their heart? And what really happens is because if we stop worrying about how it sounds and we start getting into the theology and the spirituality of singing, of praising God, what that's going to do is that's going to reveal spiritual weakness and spiritual immaturity in our lives. And if we can actually come to someone and say, there is no song in my heart, I can sit there like a bump on a log because I have no motivation whatsoever to praise God. What does that then reveal? What does that really show us? Because if we're sitting back and if we're honestly wondering, man, why is it that people are doing all of this. Oh, it must just be because everybody's doing it just because they have to, or it must be this, or it must be that. But if you actually confront yourself, if you look at yourself and you say, why don't I have 
praise in my heart for God? Why is it that it's so easy for me to bottle up praise as something we do as part of the church service, as part of the worship service? There's nothing in Scripture that says it has to be bottled up over there, but man, I'm perfectly happy to leave it right over there in the hands of somebody who knows what they're doing, song leaders and this and that and the other, the guys who wrote the songs and the books and everything. Because if we have to challenge ourselves, if we have to look in the mirror and say, why isn't there a song in my heart, that can reveal a spiritual problem that we didn't even know existed and we don't even understand the magnitude of that. Because so much of what God has done is all through Scripture, it brings about praise and thanksgiving. And that's part of what praise is. It's expressing our thanksgiving. And if you then can turn around and say, I have no desire to express my thanksgiving to God, you really have to pull it all the way back and say, do I even conceive of what God did for me? Mm-hmm. Have I even made a step toward being a disciple? Where am I as a Christian? I might be so much of an infant spiritually, and I didn't even realize it because I've been in this building for however many years, and I've been going through the motions of worship for all these many years and everything, but at no point have I ever had a song in my heart. And doesn't that make Paul's letters make so much more sense when you think about it in those terms, because you think about what Paul wrote to so many, especially the Ephesians, but he, he st- told Christians over and over again, I'm praying for you. And what I'm praying for you is not that, that your cancer goes away. I'm not praying for your job situation. I'm not praying for those things. What I'm praying for you is that you know who God is and what he's done for you. I'm praying that you comprehend, you understand who God is and the depths and the riches of his amazing grace. That's what I'm praying for you. And you think about the way we pray for ourselves and the way we pray for each other. That's not what we're praying about. The vast majority of the time, that's not what we're praying about because we don't... What's even worse than that being a problem, because that's obviously always been a problem. When when somebody becomes a Christian, that they don't comprehend the depths of God's grace. So that's always a problem. But, But what's a greater problem in the church today is that we don't even recognize it as a problem. We're not even praying about it. We're not even trying to comprehend. We're not even trying to make sure there's a song in our heart. We don't even know we're supposed to have one. We're just content with the form rather than the actual substance of what's supposed to be there. A big thanks to my co-host and to Cameron McElyay, who helps make this show possible. If you enjoyed the Crosstalk podcast, please consider sharing it with others and leaving a rating and review on iTunes. As always, we want you to know that we love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day.